Hey everyone, this is Steve Hernandez, host of the Waterwise Pro Podcast. This is episode number 23, and I have my boy Jesse Anderson from Advanced Conservation Management with me today. Uh, what's up, Jesse? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for good, having man, me. Good, man. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. Of course, man. We've been talking about doing this for a while now, and uh, I'm glad our schedules finally uh, crossed paths, and uh, we're going to chop it up today. Is that cool? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do this. Right on, man. So uh, a lot of people know you in the industry. Um, there's a lot of people that don't. And uh, I want to talk about basically how you got in the industry, what is it that you do, and uh, kind of like how we got to uh, working together today and and uh, kind of like pumping each other up. Because we don't, we haven't had the chance to actually work with each other or, you know, promote each other uh, as, as much as we'd like to. But um, we definitely are big fans of, of each other's work. And, um, you know, I'd like to uh, just start you off by kind of telling telling us who who you are and kind of where you came from, and what is it you do for our uh, our great water industry. Okay, um, well, uh, I'm originally from San Diego. Um, grew up in a small town east of Temecula called Anza. All my family's from Southern California. I ended up getting a football scholarship to a small school in Iowa called William Penn University. Uh-huh. And I don't think I knew that, man. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. What, so what, what position? What position? I played wide receiver. Right on. Right on. Yeah. So I, uh, I decided to take, you know, a calculated risk and go out to Iowa. I'd never really been out of California before. And it got to a point where, you know, I really wanted to see what was outside of California. Yeah. So on a whim, I went to this school. It's a tiny town, and I ended up um, bartending. And while I was bartending, I kind of got to meet the different players in the town. And I had a degree in business management. And so while I was bartending, I decided that I was going to network, and that's how I was going to get a job. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, one day I, I'm talking to this guy. We're having a good, solid conversation. And I always told my story so everyone knew who I was, where I was from, what I was about. And uh, this guy looks across from the bar and says, I like you, kid. Why don't you come see me? I'm a national sales manager, <laughs> right? So I'm like, hey, have, have another. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> and this one's on me. Yeah. And uh, we had the interview the next day. I got a job offer. Now, what's unique about the offer is I didn't take it right away. And I was just, you know... It was a standing offer and he kind of was just like, hey, man, whenever you're ready, come see me. And, you know, it was probably about three months after I graduated. So I was just kind of like, I'm not ready to get into the real world yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one day I decided, OK, it's time. You know, I went back in there and said, hey, if you still have a position o- open for me, I'd, I'd love it. And I started and I trained as a sales trainee in a manufacturing company building valves and hydrants which I didn't even know you can sell a hydrant. Um, it was one of those things where yeah. you just overlook it over the years and all of a sudden someone says, hey, yeah, we sell these and we make them. Yeah. So um, I was a sales trainee for about six months and in June I got promoted uh, to Southern California. And what's unique about that story is in this company, none of the trainees ever get sent to where they're actually from. Mm-hmm. And so I was the first guy to actually get sent back to where I lived. 
just so sounds like on a fluke or you, you actually got to request it and they, they, they liked you and thought you'd perform well or how'd that work out? It, it was it was a fluke in the sense that they created a territory for me. They knew I wanted to get south and west. Um, I I like the snow, but I don't like living in the snow. <laughs> so it was like it was a completely different deal when you know you have to get up at six a.m. and khakis and dress shoes and trudge through eighteen inches of snow just to get to your car, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I was looking at South Texas for a while, like you know, New Orleans and uh, San Antonio area uh, just because it was warm. But what they did is they ended up creating a territory for me in Central California. And they said, well, hey, there's a slight chance, outside chance that you might get Southern California. Um, And so what happened is on Friday, they tell me this. And on Monday, I come in and they said, guess what? You got Southern California. Yeah. And uh, so I was ecstatic. What, what, what year is this? This, so this is 2004. 2004. All right, cool. Yeah, and we're 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 the same age. I just we just found out we we're talking about it, right? We're so this is uh, year 24 at the time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so I moved to Corona mm-hmm. uh, from Oskaloosa, Iowa, <laughs> um, which was cool because there was a manufacturing facility there, and you know I called on Southern California. So I worked for that company um, for 13 years. Right on. Yeah, and that's how I got in Waterworks. Yeah. And uh, you know, from uh, from there, so you're you're selling valves and hydrants, and uh, and, and what else? What else are you selling, or what are you repping? Yeah, so it was you know valves, hydrants, butterfly valves, plug valves, check valves kind of opened my eyes into the infrastructure side of things. Yeah. Wet barrel hydrants, dry barrel hydrants, and just traveling my territory with Southern California from San Diego to Paso Robles, Central Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I called on 130 water districts, um, roughly 30, 30 or so distributors in the area. Uh, my first company car was an Astro van. So try being 24 years old, trying yeah. to be cool in an Astro yeah. van. Yeah, right. That's kind of <laughs> tough, man. The, the odds are stacked against you, right? Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is I thought I was the young guy in the industry, but I was like the baby. Like everybody was way older, you know, um, top heavy industry. And I think it, it still still pretty much is. Yeah. It's yeah. changing, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I came out here and I was ecstatic. You know, I loved it. Um, it, it was it was a really really fun job. Yeah, made made great relationships. Traveled a lot, I'm sure. Tra- traveled a lot, ate at fancy restaurants, stayed at fancy hotels the whole night. Yeah. Um. It was it was it was fun when you're when you're a young single guy on the road. Yeah. Great yeah. time, road warrior. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Just a nonstop party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you let it. Yeah. Right? yeah. You sure, know, yeah. and that's sure. that's what it is. It's you know, it's lunches, it's dinners, it's golf, it's ball games. Right. You know, that's what people want to do business with friends. So right. you know, I felt like I, my job was to develop relationships and and make friends with my clients. Right. And, and uh, that's that's the 
kind of the fine line that we as, you know, like a water professional, because we're government employees, right? And that's, uh, I'm sure it's, uh, it's, it's tough. And there's uh, probably this unwritten rule that, uh, you know, that uh, people do that, you know, <laughs> or, or un, not unwritten rule, but like, uh, you know, uh, people do that. And it's uh, not what we're supposed to be doing. Um, it does happen in the industry. And that's just being real, right? Um, you know, we, uh, we build relationships with uh, vendors, manufacturers, and it's not about the drinks or the dinners or any of that stuff. It's, it's um, like to, to build any pot, like uh, positive relationship with anybody or anything, like it's all starts with trust. Right. And uh, you don't want to feel like you're getting burned or you don't want to feel like, you know, this guy just wants to kind of one and done me kind of thing. And so like, yeah, it's like, it's really hard not to, you know, create these kind of relationships where, you know, you're spending time with, uh, you know, the, the people that are serving you and you're, you know, in your workplace. Right. And so, uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, you've created some really good relationships over the years too, with people in the industry. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, that was my life. You know, and I didn't have a social life. That was work was my social life, which is kind of weird to think about it now. Yeah. But but yeah, that was it was never implicitly said. Right. And it's I think it's important to notate that the company I work for has been around since 1878. So that was just their process. You know, that's what we did. We had an entertainment account, expense account. And they let you loose. They give you a company car and a, and a company credit card and say, go get it. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like it wasn't necessarily ball games because that's like what I like to do. Yeah. You know, but there was a lot of things. I mean, I went to church with people. I went to people's grandmother's grandma's houses. Yeah. You know, um, there's, there's just all types of stuff that you get involved in. And, and it's work, right? you know, it ends up being work. I mean, there was, there were people that I absolutely didn't want to go to dinner with. Yeah. And I think like, once I got married, it was hard. To They're not all it. cool. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, and that's what, that's what really started to get at me is that I felt like I was being fake. Yeah. You know, I couldn't be genuine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and as I had to sacrifice whatever for the sake of the company like just eat it go pretend to have a good time you know and so that just started to eat away at me you know maybe i didn't want to do that maybe they weren't the best customer you know and and i'm sure there's customers that like expect you to throw them a good time right and uh and i'm (laughs) sure the name drop uh yeah probably don't don't want to do that but i'm sure it'd be fun too right oh my god Uh, i mean and that's i mean it's that's the ugly part of you know the industry too is that there are people that like they won't support you and what you do unless it's all about them first you know and uh unfortunately that's maybe that's just society in general but uh um, I'm sure, you know, if I was in the position that you were in and, and you had to, and I had to deal with stuff like that, I, I could get turned off pretty quickly, you know, cause I'm, I'm one that wants to serve people first before I come with an empty hand or, you know, my hand open. Um, and you know, you never have to really do that. Cause you know, if you, if you start every relationship with servicing others, like, I just think naturally people 
like want to help you or want to help you back or like pay you back in some way or another, you know? And, uh, absolutely. I, mean, I, think, I think we should all be a little more selfless. And, uh, the cool thing is like it, that energy always comes back, you know, and I'm a firm believer of that. So I could see that, you know, and you're, and I know you're just like that. So I can see that you, you know, being part of that also that, uh, you know, people expecting, you know, you to like wine them and dine them before they, uh, you know, buy a valve or something like that could be something that, you know, would definitely turn you away from that side of the industry. I think, you know, um, you, you, a good salesman knows his customers and you know, you know, you expect that. So, um, you know, you may not see that guy as often, you know, because they do that. Um, but with your regards to service, the absolutely. So as a 24 year old kid and I'm competing against a salesman who's been in the territory for 20 years, how do I compete with that? Yeah. Well, I go jump in a hole at five 30 in the morning and fix something. There you go. You know, or I make myself available or I do something um, way outside to make sure that they understand that I'm there for them. And it was all about service and work are the only two things that I can control. Yeah. You know, and so that's what I set out to do is out hustle and out service my competitors. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. So you so you were there for uh, 13 years and uh, what made you want to uh you know, found your own company and, uh, what, you know, what kind of, what was the pivoting moment for you to switch gears? Um, you know, what's funny. That's, I, I've heard that question a lot. I think for me, I've always had a desire for more mm-hmm. and, um, you know, mediocrity was something that, uh, I never really, uh, wanted for myself. It was okay. Um, but for me, I've always wanted more. And I got to a point where I felt like, um, the numbers, the numbers were, were proving themselves and I was proving myself. And, you know, I guess I hit, I I hit a glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to, you know, um, generate something to move up in the company and it just wasn't going to happen. I saw I saw the writing on the wall, so I decided to make a move and chase chase the bigger payday. Yeah, you know, go take more money somewhere else. And what I learned from that was, um, in the words of Notorious Big, more money, more problems. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> so that's that's what I learned, and and so I got I got a good look at the inside of manufacturing from a management perspective, as far as maybe not feeling like success, my success was the best thing for the company. And I didn't like that feeling. And I knew that there was going to be some consistencies in, in manufacturing. There was going to be some consistencies in corporations. So I kind of felt like, no matter where I go, if I'm if I'm good enough, I might be I might pose a threat. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't like that culture. And so what I wanted to do is create my own culture. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of that that began the journey of, well, what does that look like? 
What does that even mean? And so for me at the, at the time was, you know, family. So that means small family business. Um, that means people that align with me, maybe, um, people that are younger and my peers. So it was just, it was just kind of like, well, can you create that? And I'll, and I'll never forget it is, uh, when I decided to start my own business, I went to tri-states. Uh-huh. And uh, tri-state seminar, the conference in Vegas. Yes. Yes. And this is, uh, 2019. And, um, this is the first time that I was on the other side of the table at a show. This is the first time I actually walked the entire show instead of be locked in a 10 by 10 booth for eight (laughs) hours a day, you know? And I remember walking around looking at, cause I'm looking for product lines. I wanted to start a rep firm and I felt like if I can sell products to my clients, you know, I already have clients. I already know where they're at. So now I just need to find a product. Right. And I didn't know what that was yet. But I remember as I was walking around, I'd get, you know, uh, various opinions. I said, yeah, I'm starting my own company. I want to be a rep. I want to rep your line. And I'm approaching manufacturers and sales managers and presidents and pitching them and saying, hey, this is what I do. This is what I can do. And some guys were kind of, you know, a little bit snarky. Some guys were supportive. But I'll never forget some old man out of the blue walked up from behind me. And he came and whispered in my ear and he said, if you lead, they will follow. Yeah. And like, <laughs> blown away. Yeah, blown away. Yeah. Right? I, I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know this guy from Adam. Like, I'm just out here doing me. Yeah. And that 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 is, that's going to forever stay with me. Yeah. And so I, that's really just like, you know what, that let's was, do this. That was the whole point of that, that, ex- that you attending that conference was for that moment. Yeah. And it was, it was awkward because I ran into my former employers, you know, and they were actually all in the same booth. So my old boss and my former boss were together and it was awkward. Like they weren't expecting me to walk up in there. (laughs) And so like all the old sales guys were like all coming around me and saying, Hey, those guys didn't say nothing, you know, but it was just one of those things where like, you know what, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Um, because there was a, a part of me that was considering leaving the industry and some of the old heads would come up to me and say, Hey, we need young guys in the industry. We need you to stay around. And, uh, so that, that's when I started said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And so it was just like, okay, so now what does that mean? Right. Cause I think, um, you know, that's something that a lot of, a lot of people probably feel or get to in their careers, like, uh, like you said, glass ceiling earlier, it's like you hit the ceiling and, and that's kind of where, you know, I was at my last, you know, last position. Like I didn't want to get into the politics, uh, in the more administrative roles and management, if I would have kept climbing the ladder. Um, and for me, it was just like, if I go anywhere else, it's going to be the same level goals, the same level, you know, uh, headaches, uh, same kind of money. Maybe I'll make a little bit more, but it wasn't, it just didn't, uh, I just didn't feel like it was a good fit for me, you know? And, uh, although I stayed in the industry, I came down to Southern California. Um, I'm, I came because of the potential, uh, mentorships that I could get from 
the upper management because they are very uh, highly motivated, uh, very supportive, uh, like hardworking people. And so like, I was just like, I wanted to be surrounded by that type of leadership. And, um, and, uh, it's, it has not, you know, been anything less than that since I've been here. So like, I, I get what you're saying. Like you wanted to kind of trailblaze, right. I mean, um, get out of that, uh, that position that you're in because, you know, like you said, you just kind of are, you hit a wall and, uh, you know, it takes a lot of, you know, risk and thinking and sleepless nights. And, uh, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, that, that decision didn't come easy. Right. And you probably contemplated for, uh, I mean, probably a couple of years before you finally made the plunge, but, uh, um, it's really cool that you did, you know, cause it shows bravery and, and your commitment to, you know, being better because, you know, you, you, you jump ship from a 13 year career with a company that's, you know, doing great at supporting the industry. And, uh, you know, it's scary, scary as hell. It's still scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, b- being a, uh, you know, played baseball and football growing up and being an athlete, being competitive, you know, you, you know, that moment before a ball game when they play this, the, the, the national anthem and you get nervous and like that first hit, it all yeah. goes away. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of, it's kind of that feeling. And, um, yeah, that was, that's, it was a difficult decision, but it was easy because I have confidence and I knew what I was capable of. Yeah. And I had an idea. I just didn't have a plan. Yeah. So it was about formulating the plan and, and it wasn't easy. You know, I, I, you know, we talked about this, I got fired Yeah. and, um, and I, I'm not going to shy away from that. Like I've never been fired ever. Yeah. And I grew the company, you know, X amount of dollars got a nice little bonus. Um, but then at the end of the day, it, it, it just wasn't a good fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's what they said. It's not a good fit. And, you know, so for me, it was, it was kind of the, the element of um, what I consider to be disrespect yeah. that really put the fire in my belly to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to keep getting this. This is what's going to keep happening if I just go the traditional route, you know, and unless you unless you stop shining. Right. right you know, right. unless you unless you conform. And I wasn't ready to do that. I'm, not, I'm still not ready to do that. Yeah. So, well, I, you know, like we're, and we're young, right? I mean, 20 years into the to the industry for myself, it'll be 21 uh, this June. And I man, I feel like I'm. I'm still getting started. You know, I still feel like I'm, I'm behind the times where I should be. I feel like there's so much more to do and, and, uh, you know, higher goals to, to, to reach. And, uh, you kind of play that back. It's like, man, I'm, you know, you know, you're going to hit, uh, 41 this year. I remember you hit 40 last year and I'm sure you were just like, damn, like <laughs> I'm like halfway through it. Right. I'm halfway through my life and, uh, there's so much more I want to do. And, uh, when you get, you get, you get like this sense of urgency, like even more, I think, you know, for me is this last couple of years, it's like, damn, like, I, I feel like I need to catch up to where I should be. Um, and, and, and not celebrating the successes that I should. Right. And, uh, 
yeah, it's just uh, I get I get what you're saying, man. We we, we relate a lot on our experiences, and uh, and uh, risk is a scary thing that a lot of people don't try, but I think it it, uh, it pulls out the best in you, you know. Uh, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's and that's essentially I had somebody say, "Hey, listen, you're you're in a you're in a great territory, yeah. you're in a great spot, you make a good living." Like, why would you be complaining right now? Right. And, you know, my counter was like, listen, you got a guy that wants more. I have a saying, it's, it's you can't teach desire. You either have it or you don't. Right. And like, we can curb it. We can steer it. And a good manager knows what his people want. It's not my responsibility to tell you what I need to make me happy. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be asking. And so like to even get to this point, it's just like, we're, we're just not in the same room and no, no, I'm not going to chill for the next 20 years. Chill, chill. You know, I need to be challenged. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want. I want the challenge. Yeah. You know, the goals, um, I want realistic goals too. Not just like some, some crazy thing that just throwing out there, some carrot that they want me to go chase. You know, realistic goals that we can obtain. Yeah. And I think there's a disconnect with middle management sometimes to where, you know, I'm I'm out here on the ground floor, you know, and I use this it's a, a military analogy, like, you know, we're in Vietnam and we're taking on fire. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm on the satellite phone calling in for air support and I'm telling, Hey, this is where we need support, right here. Mm-hmm. And Countless times I just watched the plane just fly over without dropping anything. Yeah. You know, and so I'm out here on a on an island, you know, and I'm never going to stop representing your company to the fullest. But at some point, you got to recognize the efforts right. that people are doing. And it's a simple, you know, that somebody told me recognition is the same as compensation. And to be 100 with you right now is if I would have got a certificate of appreciation, you know, I might still be with that company to this day. Yeah. You know, if I, if I would have got some sort of pat on the back, it's a trip. Yeah. It's a trip. Yeah. And so I kind of went and said like, well, why do I feel like I need to be recognized? And it goes back to the competitor and it's like the, the, the instant gratification, you know, if I catch a touchdown, people like me, you know, if I hit a home run, people like me. So how come in business, when I get a huge order, you know, people want to dissect it and tell me why it was the brand that got the order, not the salesperson. Yeah. 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 You know? So it was just like, it, it, it it was just, there was a disconnect from day one. Yeah. And I couldn't live with it. That's a tough, that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Let's go, let's go back to, um, so, you know, athlete growing up, um, that competitiveness, um, I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, people out there that played sports growing up and, you know, and I, I really like, you know, hiring people that played like high school football or high school, like wrestling, like that have that, like, like competitiveness in, inside them. Um, I think you can kind of tell sometimes when people played sports growing up or, or didn't, right. Um, and, and it kind of carries over to work ethic at, you know, at work and, um, 
and and that competitiveness wanting to like you know push themselves or push their coworkers to be better or like you know beat them to you know beat them to the the trench or beat them to you know to um you know work in general and uh and what what are your thoughts towards that i mean do you think it's a it's something that you can learn as you're older, do you think it's something that, you know, is it something that's kind of, we're wired that way, you know, when we're little by just the, uh, the upbringing or where does that competitiveness come from? Um, yeah, I, well, to answer your question, I, I think it's great. I think that those types of people, um, that compete, they want to win. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's people that love winning and there's people that hate losing. Yeah. You know, um, and so it's a it's you know, you you it's twofold um, compet people that are ultra competitive. You know, it maybe it's too much, yeah. you know, but I think that those types of people, they understand team and they understand that it's the little things that you do when nobody's looking that show up, yeah. you know, in the game. And I think that that's like, um, you know, that's something you that's ingrained or you learn. You know, I grew up, my coaches were always these old school, you know, coaches, mm-hmm. you know, like we were running. And I remember um, the high school I went to, we didn't have, we got a new baseball field, but we didn't have grass on the field till my sophomore year. So we were literally playing on an all dirt field. Yeah. And what was cool about it is we learned how to accept the dirt. You know, some kids might be like, Oh man, there's no grass on the infield, you yeah. know, but it made us tougher. It made us um, more appreciative of when we went to another ball field and saw grass, Right. you know? So it wasn't so much like, um, you know, oh, we're, it's, we just got a dirt field. But we used to love watching the opposing team's faces when they got off the bus and they saw they were going to about to go play on an all dirt field. They were, they, you know, they're already beat. Yeah. Yeah. So like competition <laughs> brings out, uh, does shows us adversity. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a yeah. key word. Um, adversity uh, it reveals true character. And when you're when you're down by however many runs and you need a big hit or you need a big score, like who are you looking to? Who's ready for the moment? Right. You know, are you the type that says, hit it to me, let's get out of here? Yeah, you yeah. know, or are you the guy that says, oh, don't hit it to me. I'm not ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so sports teaches you prepare how to be how to prepare, how to have a good attitude, whether you're winning or losing how to give maximum effort every single time, right? And how to deal with adversity. Right. And that's life. That's, that's, our, that's, that's sales. Right. It so is. it was a natural transition for me. That's awesome, man. I, uh, I really like that you were talking about this stuff and uh, I'm going to share something pretty personal. Um, so I, I played, I played high school ball um up until my junior year because i was working 40 40 hours a week at the bowling alley um but you know i played i played but 
I started, I didn't start every game, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I was good, but I wasn't good enough, you know? And, uh, coaches wanted me to play my senior year. Um, actually went to my job and kind of sought me out and told me to come back and they'd get me a little part-time job. They, you know, I was just like, nah, I gotta pay for this 93 two-door Nissan Sentra, man. Like, Ooh, <laughs> I, was, I was balling. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was making like seven bucks an hour, man. I ain't got time for, for football, you know? Uh, but man, I'd go to the senior games and, uh, man, I missed it, you know? And, uh, and no joke, man, like after I graduated, a couple years after I graduated, um, I started having this like reoccurring dream. Right. And this dream was like, it play back to when the coaches like came and said, Hey, come play ball, you know? And, uh, and, uh, I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go play. It's like, you know, last game of the season, senior year. And, uh, I got my pads on, like I, I'm running out to the stadium and, uh, and I could hear them calling my name, you know, like Steve Hernandez, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't have a helmet. I can't find my <laughs> helmet. I cannot find my helmet, dude. And, uh, and I'm just like, I gotta play. They're like, you don't have a helmet. You can't play. And I'm freaking out. Or the other dream is like the stadium's locked and I can't get in. And, uh, and I had that reoccurring dream, dude, probably, man about half a dozen times a year um until a, until like a year or two after i started water wash pro and i kind of like i kind of like man like i i haven't had that dream you know in a while you know it was kind of weird and uh i think the reason why i think i had that dream because i heard someone else share like a similar life story so I, one of the guys that i follow uh on uh, social media he shared a very similar story and uh, and it just clicked for me. And it said that he said that basically when he he had that reoccurring dream, because when he lived that, you know, in that moment at that time in his life, like he didn't give it all he had and he wanted Ooh. to go back and like and make it right, you know, and give it one hundred and ten percent. And so, like, I missed it so much that basically I was having this dream, wanting to go back and make it right. And the reason why I feel like I stopped having that dream was because like I was making it doing something new and I wasn't going to have that, those same regrets, uh, doing what I was doing with Waterwise Pro and, you know, my current position at work and stuff like that. And so it's, uh, you know, that's that competitiveness that I think I've had is that, uh, you know, just always wanted to be better than I was yesterday and, um, and yeah, not, not having those regrets of like you know damn i wish i could have done that better you know um and uh now nah, it's just just a weird dream that i used to have and haven't had it in a long time so now that we're talking about you know like sports and com- you know, competitiveness and, and drive like it uh it reminds me of that uh kind of kind of weird <laughs> no it's it, you know it's funny you say that i had the same exact dream really it it and it was it wasn't just it, it's it wasn't like I was locked out, but it was a game where I wasn't prepared. Yeah. Like I didn't have a piece of equipment, whether it was <laughs> a helmet or I remember I didn't have cleats and the coach is screaming at me to get in the game. We need you. And I don't have cleat, you know, like just yeah. random things. I've never heard um, somebody explain it, but I mean, that makes sense. Um, you know, my talent. I never really had the support system around me to really 
to really maximize my talent. Yeah. Yeah. And Same. it was, it was God given or whatever. And it wasn't even that, you know, I wasn't very good at, at much. I went to a small school and you know, what happened was I went and played in an all-star game and, and for whatever reason, I had a great game against this in this all-star game. It gave me a bunch of opportunities. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. And, um, but I think that's just very keen awareness. Yeah. You know, like to be aware of your life and your situation and what's going on, you know, what what does G.I. Joe say? Knowing is half the battle, right? (laughs) Like if you know, then, okay, now we can make, make adjustments. Right. Um, But you got to take the time to do that too, right? Because I think, you know, people just, they're chasing their tail like year after year you know, and, uh, and not taking a break to just like stop and think like, Hey, is this working? Like, am I actually making any progress? Uh, is this really a goal or is it just a wish? Because I'm not putting any time or energy towards it. Um, and, and I think self-awareness is, is huge. Like you, you got to know yourself, uh, believe in yourself, believe in your abilities or at least your potential. Right. And, uh, I think a lot of people don't, don't do that. And, um, unfortunately because i think we could all be better if uh we took the time to to recognize what it is that we're actually lacking um and why we're not getting certain jobs or why we're not uh, growing um in certain aspects of our life and uh now i think self-awareness is is huge yeah that's i mean it's it, it, it this is something that's very recent for me steve where you know like getting fired you know um having marital issues because I was gone so much working, you know, being a new father, having babies. And like, it's just one of those things. And, um, people ask me if I miss football and absolutely I miss football. And the one thing I miss about it more than anything is hitting people. But another thing I miss is getting hit. Yeah. You know, I'm a good sport, right. And everything is always respectful. But in a football game, at some point in the game, it goes from whether it's the score or the time or your opponent, somebody crosses the line and you go from, hey, I hope we win this game to like, damn it, you know, (laughs) F this guy, you know, (laughs) like F him and his mom and everybody else. Like, he's going to, I'm going to get his ass. Yeah. You know? So like I miss getting hit. And so like me getting fired was me getting hit because it hit. it hit me in the mouth. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now it's on. Now it's on. And um and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Um I am. Just, you know, hindsight is 2020. So like looking back now, you know, I took my little time to kind of um, you know, lick my wounds, but sure. like after 15 years of working and grinding and giving your heart and soul to a company and, and getting progress on the ground, like my, my customers love me, you know, like, and everybody around me was telling me, you know, that, that, that I was doing a good job. And then I'd have, I'd have somebody who was actually in charge of my future be like, meh. Yeah. You're so, so yeah. You know, and yeah. so it was just like, you know what? It's time it's time to show and prove. So 
that for me was really the driving force of, of starting my own business. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I have a DJ company. I do things on the side. You know, when I was 12 years old, I started mowing lawns. Like, you know, it, it's just yeah. the, it's, it's the, 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 the yeah, the hustle, you know, I'm the oldest of four kids. You know, when you, when you come home and say, mom, I want those $60 silver tabs. You know, there's like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no there's way. no way. Like Miller's Outpost. We're not shopping at Miller's Outpost, you know? Yeah. And so I would get deflated and my dad would come by, right back and be like, hey, listen, Mr. Powell needs his, uh, his fence painted. Yeah. I'm going to hook you up. He's going to pay you 50 bucks. You know, you go work there for two days, go paint that fence, go get you your jeans, dude. Yeah. So like, that's what I learned is like, it's out there. It's out you there. just have to go get it yourself. That's right. You know, that's my right. pet, you know, so that's, that's it's the same. I'm the same kid. I want those, those silver taps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I was, a, I was a kid that, uh, waited for you to come home and I'd be like, Hey, Mr. Brown, can I, can I wash your truck? And he'd be like, how much? And I'm like, $10. He's like, nah. He's like, I'm like $5. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, come on. And, uh, and I'd be staking out the neighborhood, you know, like mowing lawns or uh, washing trucks, and uh, and still to this day, you know, like uh, you know, I I got kicked in the mouth, you know, or I've been you know tripped over my own feet, and you know, people know my story if they've listened to any of these podcasts or my classes and stuff, and uh, you know, the adversity is is uh, has been my best lessons, you know, because um, it's shown me where I screwed up, you know, like I took the time to like you know, like you said, lick my wounds, and it's like all right. Not gonna do that again, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then get back up, and then be, and try to be better, you know. And um, and I think that uh, I think some people have never either experienced adversity or they have, but didn't do the self awareness check, you know, to see where they went wrong, so that they could be better. And um, it's a must, like you like you have to. Um, so uh, no, I mean, I think we we share very similar stories, man, and it's uh pretty crazy but but cool in the same way that uh to see you know you uh gone through all the you know life experiences that you have and and now you're doing some great stuff too so why don't, why don't you tell us uh you know about your company and, and and what you do yeah so advanced conservation management is a a rep firm uh with a conservation focus so it's i rep products and what I do is I go look for products that are either have something to do with water conservation, um, something that is innovative, something that is green. Maybe it's a, the way the product is manufactured is green. Um, but that's that's what I wanted to do is put together the future of waterworks. You know, I worked for an old company that's 150 years old. They're very tried and true. And. You know, they're the Titanic. They're going to go forward. They're going to trudge along. But when you look at our business, it's in it's in a dire need of some change mm -hmm. and not necessarily on the product side, but just like like the perception side. You know, people get so caught and focused on ductile iron pipe and, you know, wet barrel hydrants and gate valves and fittings and restraints. But like. What's the future of our business? Where are we going? You know, 
And so that's what I did is I sat down and I looked at the state of California water resource board and I pulled up Senate bill 555 or NPDES. And I felt like the future of our business is stormwater. Um, the future of our business is leak detection. Uh, the future of our business is non-revenue water. And how do we, how do we eliminate that? Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, well, this is, you know, I looked at uh, something like Senate Bill 555, water quant- quantification bill, excuse me. And I thought that was cool. And I, I researched it and I said, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. Districts are going to have to buy these products that quantify their water loss. Mm-hmm. And there's various applications. You see it today, like say leak detection. Let's take leak detection, for example. You got the meter guys doing it. You got the pipe guys doing it. You got the hydrant guys doing it. You got the valve guys doing it. Everybody has some sort of leak detection correlator, you know, some sort of pressure monitor. And, you know, why? You know, everyone's rushing to the market. So I said, okay, well, if I can put together a package and hit the street with this package, then I think I got something. And so I've, what I've picked is I wanted five fingers. I wanted, I wanted conservation. I wanted innovation. I wanted stormwater. I wanted leak detection. And then I wanted something that I knew I could just go out there and sell today. Mm-hmm. And over the course of 2020, I was able to put together this package and hit the street as a rep firm, but more with a conservation focus. And so that's, that's what I decided to do is represent the future of Waterworks. Since I'm going to be in Waterworks for the next 25 years, instead of giving 25 years of my blood, sweat, and tears to somebody else, which I have already done, I decided to invest in myself. And I'm going to uh, no, – uh, no one's going to work harder for me than me. Right. Right? You know? And so that's how I decided, you know, like advanced conservation management – came last you know some people say okay i'm gonna start a business and it's gonna be called you know jesse valve sales you know and then i go look for a valve but for me it was like i don't know what it's gonna be called because i don't know what i have so what i did is i I went and researched companies that fit the culture that i was looking for um family-owned businesses uh minority-owned or woman-owned businesses um, specifically. Um, Something with some diversity to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But mostly family-owned business. That was like the key for me. Family-owned American-made businesses. And I didn't want to work with somebody that was too big. And I didn't want to work with somebody too small. But what I was looking for was companies that were mid to small size, mid-level size companies that didn't have reps in Southern California or that the rep didn't live in Southern California. Uh, Because that's something that I always will be is here living in Southern California. And it's very important to have your rep live in the area that they are working, in my opinion. It just makes everything a lot easier. You know, like if my territory was Phoenix, like how often am I gonna go to Phoenix? You know, maybe every other month, quarterly, whatever, but you're not there all the time. So my value to what I feel like my value brings is that I'm here all the time. 
and I'm able to respond and I'm able to service efficiently because I'm yeah. here. Right, right, right. And so once I put the package together, you know, really it boiled down to uh, a product called uh, Hydrant Guard, a company called Hydrant Guard. Right. And um, once I was able to solidify that, because um, that was a product that I thought was super innovative, you know, and I felt like this thing is going to be able to turn the needle with regards to products that are coming into our industry. And what is it? Tell, tell us what it is. Hydrant Guard is a, a stainless steel dual plate check valve for fire hydrant shears. Mm. And it's two and a half inches tall. And it retrofits in between a fire hydrant and the top portion of the spool or berry. But basically, it, it, it's a check valve that shuts off water geysers when hydrants get hit. And water geysers are a leading cause of non-revenue water. Right? You get a hydrant that gets hit four in the morning. It geysers for an hour and a half before somebody calls it in. And, you know, I think the, 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 um, it's like 5,500 gallons of water per minute out of a six inch line. Yeah. yeah. You know, something to that effect. But anyways, it's not a lot of districts, uh, probably about 30, 30 to 35% of the districts in California believe in these types of products. So I felt like there, there's a huge room for growth. And when I was at my former employee, Employer, um, we sold a competing product and we were the only ones in the space selling it. And uh -huh. yeah, and so I'm the type of sales guy that, you know, when I look at my margins or I look at what I think my boss is looking at, I'm looking at high dollar stuff and I'm looking at high margin stuff. So I just nav uh, gravitated towards large diameter gate valves, break off check valves and wet barrel fire hydrants because those were the largest margin items that we had so i was like you know i could brag about my margins but it opened my eyes to like this whole thing about this problem that exists and hydrants get hit with regularity um they're above the street and most of the time the districts know which hydrants are the problem hydrants or the hydrants that are in high traffic areas mm -hmm. and then california has you know, I don't even want to put a number on there. I don't want to seem naive, but there's yeah. thousands of hydrants out there. Yeah. Right. And so I believe in that. I believe in the application. I believe in the product. Hydrant Guard's also family owned. They're made in Muskegon, Michigan. They're super cool. You know, it's a stainless steel uh, manufacturing uh, uh, facility, uh, foundries, stainless steel foundries. So it was just, it checked a lot of the boxes I was looking for yeah. and it gave me something to believe in. And so off, I was off running. And it's not a, I mean, it's, I could see why you liked it too. Cause it's a definitely a easy, it's an easy sell. Like it sells itself, you know, like, uh, you know, we have tons of hydrants, uh, out in our systems and, uh, you know, thousands of hydrants out there that, uh, um, that don't have check valves that are very vulnerable to, you know, getting hit by those, uh, you know, those weekend partiers and, uh, you know, it's easy to retrofit, you know, those hydrants, uh, with the hydrant guard. And I thought that was pretty cool too. So, um, definitely, I think a, a great product to, for anyone to rep, um, just because of its simplicity and, uh, 
seems pretty robust too. And I'm trying not to be all sales pitchy, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but no, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, but it's the truth, you know, like when you have a great product, like you don't even need to sell it. Like it just, you know, it just sells itself and, uh, and you shouldn't have to push it. And that's kind of like, so for me, like it's my, my study guides, like, I don't even really have to push it. Like all I just show is the testimonials, you know, and, uh, and it just, you know, let people figure it out for themselves. And uh, it's pretty cool, you know, like, uh, and so like it's, it's, I'm sure it's a great feeling to know that you, you got some great product that you found and uh, you know, no one else has something like that um, to that caliber. And uh, you know, definitely, you know, I'm sure you're proud of, you know, what you yeah, got? It, 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 and thank you. And I am. And it was one of those things where it was just like the, just like those silver tab jeans, you know, it, it's out there. I had to go get it, yeah. you know, and it's like every job interview I've ever had. No one's ever given me a job. It's always been me. I'm going to go take that job. Yeah. You know, I'm going to interview and I'm going to follow up and I'm going to show up. And I'm going to show this guy that I really want this thing, you know, and that's what it took to get all these products. Mm-hmm. And what it was interesting is um, you just start pitching people and you refine the pitch and it gets better and better and better. And I, I, I wasted all my bad pitches on companies that I didn't even think I w- was wanted to get, but I just wanted to practice, you know, the pitch and it, and it lined up to where it was like, okay, here it is. Yeah. And it, it worked out beautifully. That's, cool, That's awesome. You know, man. They needed me just as bad as I needed them. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, um, um, it's a good, good working relationship. And I'm sure you're, you know, totally stoked and excited about, you know, what the future has to hold for, uh, you and your company and, uh, you know, and, uh, for all the, uh, future clients you're going to have and current clients that you have. Um, which is all of us, you know, are the end users and, um, and no, so, <clears throat> so I, yeah, no, I, uh, I really appreciate you, you know, sharing your story and, uh, I definitely, anyone that's, that's listening in, uh, to the podcast, definitely go check out, um, uh, advanced, uh, conservation management, uh, Jesse's company, uh, hydrant guard, um, and all the other products that he's repping. And, uh, and I think you'll also find it, uh, you know, it's no BS, just straight up great products, uh, great customer service from a guy that's, uh, you know, started from the bottom. He's grinded his way to where he's at and he's continuing his, uh, his hustle, his grind to, you know, better support our industry. And, uh, you all know me that I'm pretty straight up, you know, I don't, don't, uh, deal with too much of the BS and I just kind of call it like it is. So having, uh, I don't want to say a salesman, man. I just, I feel like that that's not even who you are. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a support. It's you're a supporter, uh, to our industry. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, having you on here is, uh, definitely a different, a different, uh, type of individual having on the podcast and, uh, someone I, I definitely think that the industry needs to know more of. So I appreciate you and your time, man, on the, uh, on the podcast today and, and chopping it up with me, uh, Jesse and, uh, yeah, man, any, uh, any closing words you want to, share today on the uh, podcast before we say peace no i i think i just want to say thank you for the kind words steve and like and i i really appreciate what you're doing for the industry moving us forward creating a platform uh for all of us to 
really what you're giving us is a tool and a resource to all help us do our job better, safer, easier, which everybody can rally around that, which is why I think you're so popular. And, um, <laughs> I thought it was know. the hair, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, that might be it too. But I mean, like, come on now. Like if you yeah. help people yeah. succeed in life, how can you not be down with that? So it's just so humbling to be around a guy that's like that and, and know that we have some similarities. And if I can just get a percentage or just an inkling of the success that you got, then I know that I I'm doing the right thing. So no, man, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I try to just tell myself I'm still, I'm just barely starting out, you know, like I'm barely starting out and I'm just, uh, I have the sense of urgency, like I said, and everything that I do. And I'm just like, you know, like if, I kind of pretend like I'm just starting, you know, and, uh, I, but now I know a bunch of new stuff, you know, that I wish I had when I started. And yeah, so I just kind of, I kind of have that, maybe that's just that chip on my shoulder or just feeling like I'm always the underdog, you know, and, uh, just trying to prove myself, uh, chasing my best self, you know, and, um, I know you're doing the same thing. You're, you know, you're, you're a little screwed up and I'm a little screwed up just trying to be less screwed up. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And that's, that's basically it, you know, and I think if, because uh, we're all a little screwed up, you know, and I think, uh, I think if you, you realize that and you, you're trying to be better then uh, man, only great things will come. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate you, man. And uh, everything you do uh, to support me and, and uh, our company, we haven't, you know, gotten a chance to really work together and uh, I'm hoping that we get to in the future. And, um, and either way, man, I'm going to be rooting for you. Um, and everything that you do. So, uh, uh, thanks again, Jesse, man. And, uh, maybe we could do a, another podcast episode in the future, man. Hey, anytime. I have my right pleasure. On. I'm here for you. So I, I, I enjoyed my time today and thank you for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. All right, man. All right. We'll see you guys. All right. Peace. Take care.